Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wildly, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast that shows us how powerfully sex can shape our self-love and our self-worth as we listen to each other's sex stories so we can figure out what sexy thing we each need next. Please keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourself. Go do listen to the outro if you want to know how to connect and enjoy. Our guest today is a bisexual female in her early 30s. She's a brat with a praise kink who is in a 24-7 DS dynamic with her partner of two years. She is into primal play, restraints, impact play, and breeding. A firefighter from Australia, welcome Jesse. Hi, how are you? I am awesome, and I would love to know if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shame meter, with 10 being the most full of shame and 1 being the least, where do you fall right now? Oh, a one for sure. Absolutely a one. And what about like in general with people and or people you're about to fuck? Yeah, a one. <laughs> nice! <laughs> okay. Open book. Have you always been a one? Yeah, pretty much. Amazing. Wow. Okay. Can you tell us what your sex life is like right now? Just a quick little overview and maybe what your favorite parts are? Pretty amazing. Not going to lie. It can be hard because of the situation you know we live a little way apart and our work schedules clash but um when it does happen it's very fulfilling (laughs) amazing can you tell us what is sexy to you it's definitely a feeling it's that warmth that bubbles up from the chest it's the butterflies it's just the feeling of raw energy yeah it's definitely an emotion and a feeling and just raw desire. Amazing. When do you feel sexy? Ooh. Whenever I'm with daddy. <laughs> is it like instant or is it like because if there's anticipation coming up to it, like when does it start? It's getting ready. Definitely it starts when it's getting ready, you know, all the grooming and just like a whole body moisturizing and getting dressed and making sure that I'm wearing easy access clothing, as I like to call it. (laughs) Awesome. Oh, my gosh. Can you tell us what counts as sex for you? Any form of intimacy. So it doesn't necessarily need to be penetration. Anything where we're sharing an intimate moment that's physical. When you were young, did you ever get an explicit health and safety conversation or a sex talk? We had the standard sort of ed, the basic biology of it all, and, you know, not an explicit, like, consent-based talk until I was probably 16 or 17. Okay. Do you remember what they told you about consent, or do you remember what that talk was like? Yeah, it was mum, and it was pretty brief. It was just her saying, you know, you can say no, you don't have to put up with shit. And that was pretty much it. But I knew that already. I've always been a pretty strong-willed person. So that was pretty much already ground in who I was. Okay. Now, as an adult, can you give our listeners an example of a time where there was a very clear, explicit yes between you and a partner that led to something super hot? Oh, yeah. So probably the best one would be saying yes to my current dynamic and agreeing that that's what we wanted and that I was 100% on board. I cannot wait to hear details. But first, can you tell us what happens to your shame meter when it's time to have a safer sex conversation and what's your ideal version of that conversation like? 
So with partners, there's absolutely no shame. It's still, you know, a zero or a one when it comes to discussing sex and histories, you know, testing status, what our boundaries are. I think it's super important to have those discussions comfortably and clearly and to know each other's boundaries, especially we think it's so important. Okay, so now take us back to your early years. What's your first sex-related memory? I think I was like 10 or 11 and I found it was an old VHS porno. I remember finding that hidden behind the TV and it was my stepfather's and I was home alone because I was sick and I was like, what's this? And I put it on and I was like, oh, that's what this is. <laughs> so I 100% watched it many, many times. I think I'd already started masturbating by then anyway. So I was like, okay, cool. It was like a really cliched doctors and nurses sort of, I think it looked like it was 70s or 80s. Yeah, I I knew what was happening for sure. (laughs) Okay. How did you learn to masturbate? And like, when did you learn what that was? And what were your early kind of explorations like? I think at first it was sort of, just an instinctual thing. I've always ridden horses. You sort of register what parts are happening. <laughs> I think that probably started when I was nine or ten. From there, oh, just some really weird things that, you know, because you're ten, you don't really know so much what's happening, but you know it feels good. So, like, mostly just hands and, oh, God, the electric toothbrush, that portable toothbrush. Okay. So what was the vibe like in your household? It sounds like it was maybe, you know, you got to talk when you were a little bit older, but what was kind of the values of the community or culture that you grew up in? Very conservative. You didn't really talk about sex or masturbation or anything like that. Even when step-siblings moved out and I could then have my partners stay the night, when you're young and you don't really know what you're doing, you sort of, it's the noises that happen. And if they were heard, then there was a lot of sort of shame directed towards me the next day from my family. And that wasn't cool, but I suppose it's just how they are. Okay. So you were allowed to have partners spend the night, but the price was you were shamed for it. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So. You didn't get to talk until you were 16 or 17. Were you already active at that point with partners? No, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 17 and a half. So I think with most sort of high school aged kids, it's definitely a hot topic of conversation between friends and especially when your friends tend to pair up with each other and you get one calling you going, you know. I think I'm going to let him finger me and then the other go calling you, you know, two hours later and going, I want to do this, but I don't know how, what do I do? It's just definitely the conversations were there. Probably something that we talked about as friends from 12 or 13, I'd say. Personally, I think I had my first kiss when I was 14 and then I think I would been 15 when I started sort of playing around with preset sort of things, whether it be mutual masturbation, blowjobs, hand jobs, 
when you were having these explorations, were you liking it? Like, was the physical part fun for you? Like, what were you feeling about like blowjobs in your own body? And how were you kind of like seeking out partnership? Like, what was the texture of your own internal excitement? Yeah, I think like to an extent I was liking it, but probably not so much for the right reasons. I think when I was younger, I was enjoying it for more of the validation of self-worth and for the attention, you know, because there was lots of messy things happening in the home. Yeah, I was sort of seeking that validation and self-worth from other places. And and looking back at that now, I, I can see that that wasn't healthy at all. That wasn't the way to go about it, but it's what's happened. It's what I did with the tools that I had, you know? Yeah, yeah. Are there any like memorable or formative stories pre-partner debut that are part of your formative sexual experience that we should know about? Yes. So with my past, all but two of my partners have been emotionally, physically and sexually abusive with me. So there's a lot of trauma that I've had based around sex, you know, like one particular instance where my first partner, my first real boyfriend and the first guy I'd ever had sex with and we went away for a weekend with a friend and I was one of his mates and I'd made him angry about something and it it pretty much led to me being raped about six or seven times over with his friend watching and that was heavy and it sort of really dampened my connection with my body and with sex and put me back a lot further with sexual experience because it was connected with a negative experience for me. So I really had to work through that. And I think that is like obviously a hideous, hideous experience and I would never wish it on anyone. But I think it's what has led me to where I am today because I've had to grow so much with my body and accepting what my body needs and wants and learning to reconnect with myself to move past that event that it's really made me self-intuitive and given me a solid connection with what I do want and what I don't want with sex. So whilst it was negative, it was a super pivotal and powerful moment for me. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I'm fucking sorry that happened. Will you share some of the things you found helpful on your healing journey with us? Yeah. I had to go back to sort of basics with myself. Like I didn't masturbate for probably a year or two after that because I just didn't want to go through that. So it was just readjusting to having things touch my skin, readjusting to someone else's hands being on me. I started with my own hands again, you know, and getting used to skin to skin contact, desensitizing and having that positive connection, you know, a lot of sort of like pressure and release, which is Something I do with cats when I rehabilitate feral cats, it's a lot of pressure and release sort of stuff, you know. You introduce the new element, which for me was, you know, something small like running my hand up my leg and then stopping and rewarding myself with like two pages in the book I was reading and then, you know, going again and little things like that with small building blocks and then 
just working my way up to masturbating again and then letting someone else explore my body and just going slow. It was almost like going back to, you know, the first experiences all over again. Yeah. Will you walk us through the formative timeline experience of your sex life, kind of like up to where you are now with whatever feels relevant to you? So first sexual experience, like with penetration at with 17 roughly and then nothing for a few years and then I'm someone that doesn't personally enjoy one night stands I don't think there's anything wrong with it more power to you go get it but it's just not for me I need to have that emotional connection with someone so I've only ever had sex within relationships so waiting between boyfriends and girlfriends it's tough but it happens And I think the next one, I was 21 and we were together for a couple of years, but everything was real vanilla until I got to probably 26. And then I started realizing what it was I did and didn't want and started exploring a bit of the kink community and figuring out that oh, I did like that. And it's actually okay that I liked that. And it's more than okay. It's fucking amazing. And yeah, letting myself enjoy these things that were, you know, so socially taboo and it's just so shouldn't be. And then coming through to my ex-husband and he was super vanilla. And that was probably a fairly unsatisfying five years but I I didn't realize that until the relationship came to the end you know and I looked back and thought oh maybe that was a good chunk of what went wrong you know obviously there's more to a relationship than sex but for me personally I'm a person that craves intimacy and that touch and if it's not the way that you want it then it's not satisfying and it does affect you And then moving on to my partner now and a very compatible partner. (laughs) Okay. Before we get into those details, let's go back to, you said you were 26-ish when you started to realize you were kinky. I want to know about that realization. And I also want to know about when you realized that you did not just like cock. It started off with during masturbation and I would like really, really pinch my nipples. I sort of started to connect that pleasure pain situation and then like self-choking during masturbation and then during sex, like asking partners to spank me, but like really puts them back into it kind of thing. I suppose the lighter side of like impact play and sadomasochism, but it started off really light, which I think is the healthy way to do it. I would never recommend anyone dive head first into heavy kink. It's not safe. You don't know your own limits and boundaries, you know, Mm -hmm. but it definitely started off with the old nipple pinching. (laughs) How did you know to pinch your nipples? Porn? Just experience? Just testing? Just testing. Yeah. Yeah, Fun. How hard do you pinch them? Do you pull them? Do you have a favorite one to pinch? Yeah, my left. But I think that's probably because I generally solely masturbate with my right hand. So it's like left is free. That's what I, yeah. While we're on this train of thought, I still do want to hear when you realized you liked vagina owners, but I would like to first know when you realize specifics of nipple pinching and like how your pussy loves to be touched both by yourself and partners. 
Let's talk about your pleasure. So for me, I think masturbation started off with my hands, as it does with most people. And then when I was 15, I got my first little bullet vibrator, and that was a good friend for a while. But it's like it just evolved over time. And my favorite at the moment is the air pressure suction. I think it's the Satisfier 2. That thing is amazing. There's like five of my favorites that I have on rotation. I'm a big fan of toys, like a really big fan of toys. <laughs> I've got a wand that I like. That's more for like if I want to do hands-free stuff though, I'll pop the wand on a pillow on the bed and just turn it up and then straddle it. And then <gasps> I can, it comes with an app and I can change the the patterns on my phone on the app as I'm going. Oh. And then I've got, another one that daddy can control via the app as well which is handy yeah I think my go-to is definitely the satisfied to the air pressure toy and I think over the years I've learned that I need to start slow I can't just go like level five let's go straight away it doesn't work for me you know and the right hand side I have to start on the right-hand side of my clit because that's the most sensitive spot. And then I can jump to the left and then go back to the right. But I'm not sure why it is. But if I start on the left, it's just not as good. (laughs) That's so interesting because I also don't even, like until this moment, I've never thought about sides right or left of my clit. So that's kind of amazing. How do you touch yourself hands-wise? I generally go with either one or two fingers. Yeah. I, I tend to go more towards the middle finger on my right hand. And then sometimes that'll cramp up and I've got to switch to my index. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I, I prefer my middle finger because then I can sort of, with the other two, I can move like labia out the way if I need because she's juicy. She's not a yeah. skinny pussy. She's juicy. So sometimes you got to move things. Yeah, it's, it's mostly just middle finger. And then I can get a toy in as well if I want like a penetrative toy, like a, a dildo. Or sometimes I get a rabbit and I flip it the other way so that I can rub my clip with my right hand, penetrate myself with the rabbit with the left hand. But then I the like the ears of the rabbit tickle my butthole as well. That's great. I fully recommend everyone try that. <laughs> I was going to say, now I need to go get a rabbit. I've never had one because I didn't think of that. And although I have used the like one that's supposed to go in your pussy and on your clit the other way too, in the, in the holes instead. So do you prefer inside stimulation or outer or do you like to mix it up? And then tell us more about your asshole. I do like to mix it up, but for me, I can't come without clitoral stimulation. I'm not one of those blessed people, unfortunately, that can come just purely from penetrative sex, but that's totally, totally normal. There's so many women out there need clitoral stimulation to climax. Like two-thirds of them. (laughs) Yeah. So mixing it up is definitely my go-to, but the hornier I am, the more I crave that penetration as well with masturbation. Mm -hmm. It really depends. (laughs) Totally get that. So, okay, let's jump Back to the kink explorations where you were trying all of these things. Mm-hmm. You already knew at that point that you liked people of all kinds. Like when when did you realize that you liked vaginas? Let's, let's go answer that question. When I was probably 14, I realized that I didn't really care if they were identifying themselves as male or female. I was on board. <laughs> it was my first kiss. He was 14 too. And to this day is still a really good friend of mine. 
and he knows this story, so I don't feel bad telling it. His girlfriend at the time, because it was a bit like that, and I didn't know, she liked me as well. And so she was sneaking out of class and meeting me in the girls' toilets and kissing me. And then after school, I was meeting him at the bus stop and kissing him. (laughs) So I was a bit naughty, but so were they. And they knew about it. Well, they knew about it in the end and they were totally fine with it. That was my first experience. And then it was year 10, which is 15. We went to a school excursion and it was to an art gallery. And there was a couple of schools there. And I remember this girl looking at me and we were like sitting on the floor listening to this art teacher waffle on about probably the most boring painting I'd ever seen. So I was very easily distracted. And I noticed this girl looking at me and then I sort of, I passed her a little note that was just like, hi, my name's Jess. (laughs) She passed it back. And then it's back in the days of like MySpace and MSN AOL Messenger. So we wrote our little like, messenger names down and passed them to each other and added them and we ended up meeting up a couple of times and we didn't get to like the girlfriend girlfriend stage but like we made out a few times and it wasn't a weird thing for me it just felt fine but it never cancelled out that I also enjoyed making out with guys so it was just like a okay cool best of both worlds I'm down let's go (laughs) amazing Will you please now tell us about the kinksplorations that led to you meeting your daddy? Certainly. So I had just gotten out of the very vanilla relationship with my ex-husband and I was looking for fulfillment, but I was also looking to regain my self-worth because I'd lost a lot of that through that relationship. It sort of links in with how I re-met daddy because I'd known him for eight years but we've had sort of relationships with other people between and I got a call out for a car accident one day you know being a firefighter we have to go to those and I remember we pulled up and I saw him standing there and the truck hadn't even stopped yet. And I'd launched myself out that truck and ran headlong at him. And I was just like, because I knew he had a son and, you know, family. And I was just like, are you okay? What's happened? Oh, my God. (laughs) And he was in the car traveling behind. So he was the first on the scene and he was okay. But I remember in that moment thinking, oh, my God, you're really important to me. Okay, that's cool. Let's process this now. (laughs) And so it was a pretty bad car accident. There was a kid in there that was the same age as his son. So it hit him pretty hard. Mm. And so I was checking in with him just to make sure he was okay. Because obviously we offer, you know, counseling services for witnesses and stuff. And we kept talking and we just kept talking. And, you know, you get like the flirty, sexy messages. And then they sort of started amping up a bit. And I was like, oh, Okay, so if I asked you to choke me, <laughs> he's like, yeah, no, that'd be fine. And I'm like, ah, so if I said I was a bit of a brat, what does that mean to you? <laughs> when you're trying to figure out the waters, you don't, it's sort of coming straight out and saying, oh, so you into like BDSM or <laughs> it's, it's not so much of a, 
a thing, you know, you don't want to scare someone off if you're interested. Well, I certainly have scared off a lot of people being extremely direct. So that's a good piece of wisdom I'll take into consideration. Just test the waters a little bit first, you know. And yeah, it turns out we were both very into the kink world and a lot of our kinks overlapped. And yeah, from there we decided that we wanted to be in a dynamic with each other and he's very dominant but very, very caring. So daddy dom suits him perfectly and very protective. And we decided that for what we were looking for, a 24-7 dynamic suited us best. So we've gone from there. Yeah, can you tell us specifically what considerations went into, like, what makes the 24-7 dynamic best for you? So a lot of behavioral habits, especially because I've got ADHD. So I tend to struggle with certain aspects of life, like housework. It's just the worst. So that's a way I think where we help each other is, like, I know if I'm struggling with that, then he can daddy me he can get real dom and and then I get it done because I know that either something bad's gonna happen if I don't or something real good will happen if I do (laughs) so yeah it's like my own personal reward system for existence and I am down for that (laughs) Mm, mm, can you tell us some of the rewards so playtime in our dynamic, I have to ask permission to masturbate and to come. I actually asked for that because I just like it. Yeah. <laughs> so if I accomplish a task, then I get to play and I get pictures or videos because I love some videos and pictures. That that makes me real happy. Of anyone or like of you two? Either him or me or us together. Hot. Yeah. I love that. Oh, that's such a good reward. There's one thing that is an absolute no-go for punishments for us, and that is no restriction of time together, no restriction of attention or touch or, like, communication, because I, for me personally, that's more manipulative than it is a punishment. But, you know, like, obviously to each their own, whatever people are comfortable with and agree with in their own dynamics. So for us, that's a a no-go zone. So it's, yeah, the rewards... Definitely more pictures, videos, playtime sessions, good girls. I love me some good girls. I love that. How did you discover that you were a brat? Oh, I've always been a brat by nature. Okay. It's just who I am. I'm defiant to the core. (laughs) So we have some words that I'm not allowed to use when addressing him. I'm not allowed to say, like, buddy... I can't call him mate or bro or any sort of like informal friends sort of thing. It has to either be daddy, babe, and I don't like calling him baby because I'm baby. That's me. How dare you? (laughs) So I know when I want to push his buttons, I can call him a little bitch or I can call him a pussy or I can say, what was that, mate? And just the eyebrow raises and I'm like, oh, yeah, there we go. There's a bite. And But I keep pushing it because I got her. 
I just gotta. Once I get that bite, I'm like, how many more can I get? Let's go. Okay. What happens when you get that? Like, I'm trying to learn how to be a brat. I'm trying to learn a little bit more because I feel like I'm either like really, really good or I'm like destroy. And I don't, I haven't figured out the playful part yet. Quite calibration. Yeah. So I think it's got to come from a place of fun and like poking. Like you just want to go poke, 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 pokey, poke. How much can I get away with here? (laughs) And like, there's always going to be a line where I have to go back into my place. But I get called a little shit a lot. I really (laughs) (laughs) So you're like a good girl or a little shit? Yeah, yeah. You know, like you'll grab my face and be like, what did you just say? And there's me like through clenched cheeks going, I called you a pussy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm real good at being a brat. (laughs) It just comes natural. But then there's like the good girl side where I love me some praise. I just... He calls me a good girl and it's like whole body shivers like, yes, whatever you need because I want to make him happy. I want him to have everything he wants and needs and I just want him to have the best life possible. And like it comes from a place of love, I think, being, you know, the good girl side. It's seeing someone that you love and wanting to give them absolutely everything and being everything that they could want and need and having them appreciate you. And it probably comes from a place of not having that so much, you know, growing up. But it makes me happy knowing that he's happy. So when I know that I've done that, it's like, yeah, okay, cool, thank you. (laughs) That's amazing. Will you give us kind of like, the overview arc of like how do you call them sessions or like whenever you play together like your rendezvous like how they work like it sounds like you do have a you know when you're gonna see them there is a looking forward to tell us the turn on the turn on like the impact like start to get into some of like how it goes or how it could go for us so because we get sort of limited on our time together and where we're gonna be a lot of it is like outdoors yeah, probably like 70% of our playtime is outside. Where? Like forest, like beach, like in a car somewhere? Like where do you find? All of the above. <laughs> Lots of like forest. There was one maybe five or six months ago that was actually an industrial area. We were just parked on the side of the road in the middle of this industrial area. And then, you know... In the middle of, so he was in the passenger seat of his car and he had me sort of bent over in front of him. And then we heard a noise and we looked up and this garage door opened and this big truck started reversing out. And I sort of just sat up a little bit. (laughs) But I was like still doing kegels. Like, I'm not stopping, I'm just not moving. (laughs) But then there's like the more intimate side of things. One of my favorite memories of not just sex for us, but of our time together, we had like a little camping trip sort of thing and there was a fire going and we were just sitting by the fire and and I was in a chair and he was sitting between my legs and I think I was giving him a shoulder rub and a head rub and he just spun around and started kissing up the inside of my leg and up my thigh and then, you know, it progressed and he ate me out a bit and then he stood me up and he started slowly undressing me by the fire 
and then it was like it was more like seriously intimate primal body worship and that full-on connection and yeah that was a magical magical moment for me amazing I was literally just about to ask you if the outside stuff activates the part of you that likes primal play talk about when you discovered that part of yourself and is that related to breeding is it the same is it different for you like tell us how those live for you so different they can obviously be together so I think the outdoors does definitely engage more of a primal mode but like it can happen anywhere if he comes up behind me and growls into my ear it's like okay cool I'll just I'm in a room full of people I'll start undressing I don't care this is gonna happen (laughs) or music we're both very pagan beings and he has viking heritage so that's something that we're both very in touch with so we tend to listen to sort of that tribal viking metal sort of music and sometimes when i'm driving like i just did a it was like a two-hour drive it wasn't much but i put one song on at the start of the drive and that was a mistake because i was like squirming in my seat the entire drive going oh my god i'm going out of my mind like white knuckles on the steering wheel (laughs) it was just it was intense yeah so to go back (laughs) definitely the outside does trigger more of a primal because you are you're back with nature you know it's more raw it's more in the natural world but it can come on at any time wow i still get concerned sometimes sometimes about dirt or scraping my knee on a rock or getting splinters or fucking on top of ants like do you pay attention to that or does it sort of like go away or are you just able to i know some people just like do it wherever and what what is it like for you yeah no like wherever i'm good I'm not worried about things like that. But he's very much a gentleman. Like, he'll take off his jacket or his hoodie and put it down so I can kneel on that. And I'm like, can you just, under your belt, can we just, can you get that thing out my way? I'm busy. Oh, my gosh. Why do they all, they love belts. Belts are so in the way. Oh, they're the bane of my existence. I have a love-hate relationship with belts. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. hate that they are there and that they take, time to get off and away and then you gotta and because I like keep my nails relatively long and done and I'm trying to oh I hate them but then like he'll take it off and like flog me with it and I'm like yeah no okay I love the belt again fine totally. I guess I love belt off of pants <laughs> yeah exactly maybe if he could keep the belt in his pocket or something that would be <laughs> more convenient for me but <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so what's the breeding kink like for you? Like, how does it live for you specifically? So the breeding kink for me is something that I think I probably experience nearly every time we have sex is I feel like I need that cum and I I need it inside me in some way. Otherwise, I feel like it's just sacrilege. I'm like, I need it. (laughs) Whether it's, you know, inside me, which is preferable because I like the feeling. I like feeling his cock get a little bit harder and and tense and then you can feel it you know moving inside you and that is just like mm. great is the verbal expression of the breeding part of it for you is it just knowing that his cum is there part of it it's probably both to be honest if we're having sex and you know i i can feel like because you can feel when someone's getting there 
and I feel like he's getting close. And I know that for me, if I like beg him to come inside me, I know that does something for him and knowing that it does something for him does something for me. And it's just this constant circle of, oh yeah, okay, cool. (laughs) So the verbal definitely, but, but knowing just that knowing that it's going to be there, that's yeah. I love that too. What about impact play and restraints? Do those go together for you or are they separate? What did you start exploring and where has it gone for you? So they can be together or separate, really. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. So I sort of prefer, like for me as a sub, I like the idea of impact play without restraint because you are truly voluntarily just there and not moving. I think there's that control behind it. But then I also do really like the full submission of him completely tying me so that I can't move anyway and having that trust there that he's not going to take things past my limit. Totally. They're two different challenges as well. Two really different challenges. Yeah, exactly. In terms of like being tied up, my favorite is shibari ropes and things. I've got cuffs and restraints like that, but I just, I like rope because I really like watching his hands make the knot. He doesn't like his hands, but he has like worn man that does physical work a lot hands and I just think personally that's really really sexy and attractive and I love it so I I love watching him tie the knot but there's a time and a place you know so cuffs are great like I've got a a collar with a a lead attached and I like that as well because he can just completely control where I go and in terms of impact play I am of the belief that nothing can't be used for impact play <laughs> anything is possible like books or you know anything like I've obviously got floggers and whips and I prefer like a fuddy impact over a stingy mm-hmm. so like punishments for me are more fuddy and then if it's proper punishment he'll get like an elasticated piece of tubing that he's using for whatever he's doing and he'll tie it around my waist and just ping it back onto me and yeah but it's a different release yeah it totally yeah but it's it's like a completely different release you know like the thuddy stuff that I enjoy is it's that burning that pleasure sensation but then you get more of an endorphin release from the stingy pain. So there's a place for both in my heart. (laughs) Amazing. Do you like to have those things like before you get fucked? Like do you like to be a little sore? Like how does it usually work in the landscape of your sessions? Yeah, definitely beforehand for us and the build up. And it's almost like getting fucked is the reward kind of thing. Yeah, 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 totally. Oh, yes. Yeah. Fucking love what else what other turn-ons is there like body stuff we haven't gotten to or just like things you do together we haven't gotten to or any hot stories that we need to know so i do really enjoy like sensation play and i love hot wax hot wax is amazing and going from hot wax to ice and then just changing the temperatures and then like feathers and just the different sensations all over the body, like not necessarily, you know, androgynous areas, but like just the arms, stomach, just places that, you know, not didn't see the light yeah. <laughs> because they're covered with clothing, you know. 
But yeah, any sensation play is always amazing. I love worshipping his body. That's my favourite. I think that's where, like, the good girl side of me really kicks in is I love running my hands over every inch of him and just adoring and appreciating and, you know, massaging and making him feel worshipped. Yes. Do you want to give details about how you like to worship his private parts? Just like gentle caressing and then kissing up and down. That's always going to lead into a blowjob because I love sucking dick. I really love sucking his dick. (laughs) Just everything, you know, like the feeling and the taste, it just, it makes me, yeah, I really Mm. enjoy it. Mm. Yay. Just gentle and kisses and sort of showing it attention rather than just getting in and getting it out and going for it you know I think sometimes it's important to slow things down a bit Mm -hmm. amazing when do you feel the most like desired and appreciated Mm. probably when he hugs me from behind when he holds me from behind and anything where there's no automatic, you know, gain. Like it's, you can't hug someone back if they're hugging you from behind. Yeah. And so just feeling enveloped and protected and safe and adored, that for me is when I feel most desired. And I know that might sound strange to some people, but for someone to want to show you that affection and love with nothing in return and to make you feel safe and protected, that for me is when I feel most wanted and desired and appreciated. How do you keep in touch? It sounds like maybe you don't get to talk to each other all the time. We heard a little bit about rewards of naughty pictures. What's your primary mode of contact? So we're about an hour and a half from each other, but with work schedules, it does make things very difficult. So our primary contact is text and, you know, social media and phone yeah that's pretty much our primary hot could you speak a little bit to kind of the balance of the like sexy sexting versus just everyday love connection so it's probably flipped as our relationship has progressed because obviously we're not just a dynamic we are a couple as well in the start it was probably like 70 percent sexy texts and 30 percent real life stuff and I think as time's gone on and we've spent more time together and knowing each other, it's probably flipped to now 70%, you know, real life loving couple stuff and 30% sexy stuff, which I think 50-50, but (laughs) yeah, that's where it sits at the moment. And it's, you know, it's dependent on the day and what we've got going on in our lives. You know, we've had individually a hard few months you know we've each had stuff happening and going on so it you know things drop because real life gets in the way sometimes but I think it's super important to still make that time and I think we're good at making that time yeah do you have any fantasies that you've talked about together that you want to explore or things that you sort of like have explored that were a fantasy so we've talked about a few that I would really like to do so with like the more primal side of things, we haven't set a time, but we're going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to make sure we do it. 
I would like us to have just like a full day hunt where we go for a drive up to, you know, a, a forest or a block of land or something. And it's just like, he tells me to run and I get out the car and I just run. And it's the whole day sort of him hunting me down. And then another one that we've got, we've talked about is we want to sneak into it like a two-story church thing. And then while there's like a sermon or a session happening downstairs, be upstairs fucking and, you know, like impact play, but like with books and like him choking me and uh, like gagging me so I can't make any noise. And That's yeah. pretty hot. Did either of you grow up religious? <laughs> Not at all. Look, they say God is love. I feel like that would be approved. Of. That's deep love. I don't know. Yeah. Worship. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that's it it's a form of love and i'm just expressing my love for life and creation and we all have our own ways getting real spiritual well that's it yeah and it it would never be meant from a place of disrespect it's just purely you know that thrill of doing something we shouldn't be doing oh yeah that's a super heightened naughty i love it will you tell us about your relationship to assholes a little bit yeah so my anal experience is limited because of previous traumas, but I've been working my way up. Um, you know, the sets of training anal plugs where mm-hmm. you go up in sizes. Yeah, so I'm on the third plug in the series now. Nice. I'm currently wearing it. Just... <laughs> Amazing. Yes, because I, I do want to get to the point where I can comfortably have anal sex and experience that because that's something that I definitely want to do but I also want to do it comfortably and safely and be confident in that and yeah definitely anal hooks as well I've got one coming because I couldn't order it until I could get that size comfortably up there yeah so now I can I've ordered it it's coming I'm so excited like I've I've already researched and found photos of things that like I want to try and there's one where the, the hook's in and the rope comes up. It's like braided into my hair and it's like that force position. Yeah. I would be so curious to hear how that goes. Okay, what about, we didn't talk about group sex. Have you had it? Do you want it? Would you be into like sex parties, sex clubs? Is that a thing for you? Yeah, I've definitely had group sex before. I've had, you know, threesomes and upwards before. It's not something that I really enjoy that much just because for me, like I said before, I I need that emotional connection with someone that I'm being intimate with because, you know, because of my past as well, I need to have that trust formed. And so for me, when there's group sex and you can know everyone involved and trust everyone involved, but it lacks that specific moment of intimacy. Yeah, that's something that's actually really, really big for me is having those intimate moments with someone and it makes me feel secure and safe and I just personally don't get that fulfilment from group sex. I would love to go to, like, a sex club or something like I have voyeuristic tendencies I love watching people have fun and you know experience each other that yeah absolutely but in terms of involvement no not for me do you watch porn at all we talked about it at the very beginning and then we talked about your homemade porn but yeah yes definitely like making our own videos 
but I, I do watch like just normal porn as well. I'm, I'm one of those people that I watch porn for the enjoyment of watching. I don't necessarily masturbate to it. I sort of just watch it like it's Netflix sometimes. Amazing. Also for you, what is normal porn? Oh, well, anything, I suppose. I don't really, there's nothing that I wouldn't really watch. Okay. I don't delve into bestiality because I just don't. I love animals and I, I don't believe that that's right. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, nothing is off limits. Group sex, interracial, girl and girl voyeurism. <laughs> I talk about it like it's Netflix, but I've just started binge watching this guy that does like massages and they like progress to sex. <laughs> mm-hmm. I find that really interesting. I don't so much enjoy, which is really strange, but I don't enjoy so much watching like heavier scenes when it comes to BDSM sort of style porn, but I enjoy being in them. I don't I don't know why. Just, I'm the same way. I do enjoy reading erotica as well. And that's something that I just do for fun as well. Like online or are you like romance novels? No, like online. Okay. Light Erotica is the website or something, but I've been reading the stories since I was like 14. <laughs> yeah, I love the CNC stuff. So like consensual non-consent. Mm-hmm. I love that. Is there anything else about your sex life that we don't know yet that we need to know to have a complete overview? Probably only that it's probably been the most profound and powerful part of my mental health journey and that it's given me so much gratification and appreciation for life and love and it's not just sex you know sex can be so much more it can be one of the most powerful tools in your arsenal kind of thing if you're not a neurotypical person you know it can be your best friend your worst enemy but I firmly believe that it's my best friend (laughs) what are your hopes for your sexual self going forward that I continue to learn and grow and that I never stop experimenting and exploring and that I'm always in a safe and comfortable place with a partner that I trust and love and that we can always continue to grow and explore together. Yeah, that's all I want for my sexual future. There's nothing in particular that, you know, I would strive for. I just, my continual journey for growth and experience. If you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sex advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? Probably like 12 or 13 and I tell me that what's coming is going to be good and bad but you don't have to be ashamed. You don't need to feel bad. Don't let anyone make you feel like that and to appreciate every part of your body because I've not always had a good relationship with my body and I think I'd tell myself that You need to stay strong and to love who you are because at the end of the day, you are who you are and I am who I am and I wouldn't change it. Fuck yeah. Jesse, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. No, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Do you have a sex question for me? What has been your favorite sexual experience and then what has been your favorite 
non-sexual experience that led to a surprising sexual experience. <gasps> oh, 